Dennis DeYoung, we don't have any experts here on Hardcore Husky. Glad to see you running the recruiting board. Even though you were a drummer boy in the Husky band, your value as master film study expert is welcome here. By all means, please tell us about our recruits and share your film expertise, you ignorant fucking cunt. You don't have a clue how to analyze one frame of football film, you foolish bastard. People over there are going to call your bluff soon as I'll make sure of it. You're the biggest fraud at Dogman, and that's hard to do. It makes you feel good to have a following, more like a herd of new, young, and dumb, impressionable doogee charges who buy your cock-sucking film study garbage. Toss off, Yale. You went to Lake Washington Vocational Tech. I know you, by the way, and I know you're full of shit. Game's up, fucko. Put your hands in the air while Kim frisks your dumbass. Another one. All right, we the best. I'm out. You know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know, I always make those interesting comments during the game. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. Well, guys, you know, Huskies win 41-7. to Incredibly easy football game, but I did have one laugh-out-loud moment, and I don't know if you guys uh, shared in that as well, but it was uh, coming out of the locker room uh, to start the second half. Washington's ahead 35 to nothing, and um, they're, the sideline reporter is interviewing the interim coach for Michigan State, Harlan Bennett, or Barnett, Barnett. And uh, they say, Coach, they say, Coach, uh, Mark, Mark D'Antonio has always meant so much to this program, and he's helped be your, you know, supporter this week as you've made this you know, difficult transition under the circumstances. What was his message to you at halftime? Oh, oh I, I can't talk about that. It's strategy. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 no, like the most ridiculous. I did not see well, that part. Hey, Willie, is there anything we can do to, to lower the volume in terms of the background noise on your side? I'm in yeah, a wind I got tunnel. <laughs> I got it. Hey, go. Cool. So, anyways, uh, that was uh, one of the most ridiculous. And, you know, and I, you know, the, the guy's in a tough situation, and, and everybody says something stupid. I mean, hell. I predicted on, on Hardcore Husky that it was going to be a battle for four quarters. So, uh, you know, nobody's uh, perfect, of course. But it was just the most ridiculous thing. He's not even going to say anything that Mark D'Antonio told him. And then I love it. Every time during the game that the camera goes to D'Antonio and he's just standing there like a like a, a wooden, uh, you know, Indian statue outside a cigar shop or something. Just He's the grumpiest he quite, man on the face of the planet. Aside from hay. Right. 
So anyway, so I haven't looked. Or is him and uh, Go Dogs T still arguing on the on the last last week's podcast thread? Yeah, what I did, I took the hardcore husky. Uh, I took the hardcore husky debit card. I went ahead and got him a room, and hopefully the things can just get sorted out as nature intended. <laughs> Since he and True Blue haven't had a scra- haven't had a scrape in quite a while, but that I know of. Well, that, you, you know it's funny. Uh, so I I just I got Sunday NFL countdown on the, just it's on mute and they're showing uh, Geno Smith warming up and you know at Ford Field and it just like reminded me of like a comment the uh, I don't know who the play by play guy was. Uh, with Chris Sims, but there's a comment. They were like, Oh, there's a lot of purple and gold in the stadium. And, and I'm thinking, do they know that the Seahawks are playing the lions? And this was like a perfectly, you know, set up thing that, you know, you know, finally college football and the NFL kind of got, got right, you know, where they have traveling teams, you know, kind of in the same area, you know, Right, I don't know. Just just a little aside. I was I was just thinking because they they threw out that comment, you know, about hey, there's a lot of purple and gold. Well, yeah, you got a you got a double dip this weekend if you were traveling, you know. So yeah, fuck the lions. Uh, no, fuck the <laughs> yeah. Well, why is yeah. everyone? Why are we supposed to like Understood. the lions? Why is it now everyone? Why does that? Is it because of hard knocks last year? What's the deal? Uh, I think because they're just perpetual losers, but yet the media has not started forcing the Mariners on everyone. Yeah, fuck the Lions. <laughs> Which is bullshit. No, they not- should be for the Mariners should be. Remember how for years it was like you have to root for the Cubs, you have to root for the Red Sox. They've got curses and all this stuff, and it's like uh, the Mariners don't have any curse. They just are a bad franchise and why are you not shoving, you know, shoving them down everybody's throat? That's why we need Deion Sanders to coach two sports and have him be the Mariner manager. (laughs) All in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. The D the Deion stuff. I, I, uh, it's, I, I always liked Deion, you know, as a, as a player, as you know, on NFL network, whatever and I mean I always like Dion but this is this is too much. This this ESPN like they they're rooting so hard for Colorado right now. It's it's way it's too much. Hey I'm pulling for him Dude, now. But... <laughs> yeah yeah this week, yeah. No crime. <laughs> so you know hey that Colorado team last year was Arguably, like one of the worst teams I've ever seen, and uh, I'm not, I'm not sure they would have beaten the 2008 Huskies, or even the 2008 Cougars. And uh, he's got them three and zero. That's amazing. So, yeah, but he took advantage care. of a system that's that's uh, you know no other. Uh, five years ago, a coach couldn't have done that. You know, a one and eleven team would have been a you know. Another one and eleven or two and ten team this year, with the, with the players they had last year. Or might, he might go. have been four and eight. They still yeah. might go four and eight. 
<laughs> well, but, uh, no. six and six, yeah, baby. He's but... able to just—he's able to just do what an NFL roster could do, and just like completely overhaul it in one year, you know, and get rid of players. It, he took a like. There's an advantage. Like five years ago, he would have never taken this job. Uh, we don't know because, that. You don't. You don't I, absolutely I mean, know that. We don't. We don't really know that, but. But, uh, you know, with all the transfer rules and stuff, you know, it, it would have been hard to take this job, a completely, a complete rebuild job, you know. He's with, transformed without, that mentality, the mentality of that team, though. I mean, you've, you've, I've seen enough on there to, to see that. It's indelible, you know, so. Yeah. So it's not yeah. just that they rented a team of, you know, or whatever, but. Anyways, uh, people probably want to hear more about the Huskies than they do about the Colorado Buffaloes. But uh, yes, uh, I, I thought we were going to transition right into the Colorado State Ram talk. <laughs> that would be for Duke Dujour. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So, anyway, but, but uh. It was ridiculously easy, and the thing that really struck me, I thought about it four or five times during the game yesterday. Do you guys realize we're just two years removed from having John Donovan as our offensive coordinator? (laughs) And and now it's like, you know, it's like third and eight, and we line up, and it's like, yeah, I'm not too worried. We'll probably get it. (laughs) Yeah. Where did that come from, you know? It's too easy. It's amazing. So we said that early on in in last season, there was probably right. a podcast we did midway through the year, and I remember saying like, there was a third and twelve, you know, or whatever yesterday, and I had no doubt in my mind we were going to get it, and we did get it. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the thing about this like this team. It's like it's like well we're on uh, we're on their forty five, and we got a third and nine. And if we if we just get down to the forty, we'll still go for it on fourth down. Like I have no, I have no um, worries that you know they're they're not going to convert. You know. Well, it's just absolutely amazing. And look at like I'm looking at the stats right now, and here are. Um, First of all, having a tight end get three touchdown receptions in the first half, that's right out of, you know, Madden football or something. It's amazing. But here are the longest receptions for the first four receivers for the Huskies in regards to yardage. Odunze, his long catch was 50. Jalen Polk, his was 38. Jalen McMillan, his was 39. Josh Cuevas, 57 yards. That's just unbelievable. I mean, that those would normally be what we would do through half a season. So, yeah, the, really, really the good. The needs to watch. It's the most exciting team in the nation. So, uh, college football needs to sell them. No one wants to watch. Uh, they're watching, you know, Prime and all this boring shit. Huskies are the most exciting team because they're not even like an air raid team. They're like fucking no. deep bomb no. team. It's crazy. No. Like, so fun, yeah. so fun to watch. And you don't That's see it awesome. coming. Like, Penix, Penix's thing, too, is, like, he's so good at, like, you know, like, acting like he's just going to, like, do a check down, and all of a sudden he's, the ball's in the air, like, 50 yards downfield. It's awesome. It's fucking awesome. 
And they do, you, you almost think they're probably snickering, the Husky players are snickering to themselves in the huddle when they do these, they do these particular route combinations that clear out an area and then they just do this delay thing with Westover who just sneaks into an open spot and he's wide open and he gets these 12 to 18 yard receptions and uh, it, it's just ridiculously easy. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's turned uh, me it's turned me into a, a big passing, you know, downfield passing game fan. I, I was always kind of a run first, set up the pass kind of, you know, play action guy, but uh this is this has converted me. I'm I'm uh I, I'm I'm transitioning into a passing game. <laughs> They know you're laughing because of that word, right? <laughs> Breaking news on the Hardcore Husky Podcast. Joey, take it away. <laughs> ratings, ratings, ratings. <laughs> oh, we need to point out that Devin Culp made an elite seven-yard reception also. Hey, he caught it. <laughs> That was more for Fudgy than uh, than anything else. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm but, telling uh, you, Qua- Quavis looks good. He does. Very athletic. There was a there was a block. Uh, there was a block. I think it was maybe early second quarter against Tulsa, where, um, I mean, he was kind of double teaming the guy with the the tackle, but it was it was more of a. Uh, you know, it's more of a zone where the tackle just kind of chips off the the end and and then goes you know down to block a linebacker, and Quay was just fucking like mauled this guy, just was driving him downfield. I was like, oh, this this guy's got some. Uh, I mean, didn't he get a personal foul yesterday? He's kind of got some. Uh, he's got some juice out there, some some yep. attitude. So. And it wasn't it like uh, wasn't it like he blocked the guy straight out of the end zone, or he was? Uh, well, it wasn't what, even that what, egregious. No, no, no. That, but the, those officials were so fucking bad yesterday. Oh, they really bad, really bad. Uh, we should have been up. Yeah, we should have been up forty-two to nothing at halftime. I mean, yeah, Jalen McMillan had had a great block and, you know, called for holding and same thing with Fautanu. <laughs> Those were bad calls. Well, the very first play was a defensive holding on the defensive tackle. Fucking weird. Like, clearly Michigan State had gone to them and be like, hey, watch for this. And they flagged it on the first play. So, that's fucking yeah. strange. And Tybo yeah, Rogers, like- that- oh, go ahead. Oh, I like the... Uh- I, I like the fact that, uh, um, you know, we can pro- hopefully we can just put this grass bullshit to to bed and just stop talking about it. Kind of like uh, Pete Carroll, uh, you know, once he started coaching the Seahawks, the whole 10 o'clock, you know, Pacific time <laughs> right. start, it's kind, of, it's kind of gone. It's gone. Like, you don't really well, worry. It's to be not like even a 3 or 30 or whatever, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like they they won't stop talking about it. It's like it's it's like I I I felt like at one point, you know, like when Mike Holmgren was coaching the Seahawks, it's like if, if I won't stop talking about it, 
everybody won't stop talking about it. It'll it'll actually seep into the players' heads. You know, it's it's that powerful of a of a mental thing yeah. that people will not stop talking. Like, stop fucking bringing up the grass. Stop it. Let the you know, let the uh, handicappers do the whole math on the grass. Just stop fucking talking about it. And um, one thing that uh, I don't know if it surprised you guys or not, but I was concerned about our defense going into the game yesterday. Michigan State averaged uh, two yards a carry, 53 yards on 27 carries. And uh, I think technically their quarterback probably got sacked twice, I think. So it wasn't like we racked up the, the sack numbers or whatever. Um their quarterback wasn't very good, Noah Kim, but um, but in any event, I was really concerned about third and eight, and Michigan State converts again for another first down against this tired <laughs> defense or whatever, and it didn't happen. So they played really well, very fundamentally sound. I mean, I think we're going to see they're going to be against not mobile quarterbacks. They're just going to – Unfortunately, I think the entire Pac-12 has mobile quarterbacks, but I think they're going to kill against not not mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of their their thing. That was their thing when when we uh, last year when uh, we we saw Tanner McKee and you know Stanford come in. Yeah, it was like it, it was it was like. It was it was almost like sad to watch. They they could they just could not block for him. And uh, you know I I think they uh, oh man I don't I don't know I I don't I don't think Michigan State you know is that um, I don't think they were fast. They didn't look they didn't look at you know really athletic. But you know it's still it's still kind of big time college football and. You know, yeah. you can still find you can still find ways to make plays, and even if it's a uh, you, you know, even if it's an undermatched team, you know, they'll still find a way to score a touchdown. I mean, Portland State found a way to score a touchdown in Oregon um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it you can still find a way to score, you know. Uh, a touchdown or some points and for them to just completely shut them out. I mean, that was pretty, I was pretty impressive. By the defense. Yeah, it was. I mean, the, the defensive backs, the defensive backs look good. And I don't think, I don't think Vince Nunley, you know, there was any drop off from, from Asa and Becky London to Vince Nunley. No. Did you guys? Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to see more of the young, the young kids. You know. Did you guys? Did you guys have this thought at all as you were, um, as the game was progressing into the third and fourth quarter, and it was getting dark there in East Lansing, and the stadium overhead lights were starting to take effect, and you're having flashbacks to times in the past where you were watching Michigan State play a big game on national TV at that stadium on that field, and then going, "Wow, what are we doing to them?" Yeah, I mean, you'd have to try to think of uh, – Michigan State's an underrated – I'm not going to say they're a good team this year or last year, but they're an no, underrated yeah. 
program. Like, they've won a national championship. I think historically they're somewhere between, like, 15 and 25 in pretty much every metric, and people don't really realize it because uh, they're, usually they're just, like, pretty good. They're not, like, great for the past 60 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the best time they beat the Huskies just beat the brakes off, like, a program of that level. Uh, I mean, last year they were doing it, but then they let Michigan State come back and make it seem like it was a lot closer than it really was. But, like, it's it's pretty rare to do that in college football. I mean, you got to be pretty good because those teams are – especially up front when you get, a, like, a Power 5 program that's on the better half of, like, in the Big Ten and the SEC, their their lines should be pretty good. Like, I don't, I didn't really, really pay attention, like, uh, but I would assume their lines were at least pretty decent guys. But, yeah, I just, I'm trying to remember if the last time they just, like, absolutely obliterated a non-Pac-12, like, team like that. Uh, Syracuse, Syracuse twice. Syracuse twice. Um, let's see. Didn't Jacob Eason have a big game against them in 2019? BYU. It was like 41. Yeah, I don't remember the score, but 41 to 10 or something. Yeah, but I don't. I don't count BYU as like a (laughs) power conference team. I mean, they they beat Michigan State. Illinois, yeah. Illinois was like what twenty twelve and twenty thirteen maybe. Uh, they were really bad. They, they, yeah, yeah, they were they were bad. But it, you know, something Lloyd Duke and I have been talking about for a long time is you know we we would watch like we would watch like Michigan State when Mark D'Antonio was the was the coach, and we'd be like. Why can't Washington play these guys, you know, or Wisconsin or Minnesota? Because they were they were not the type of team that burned the Huskies. You know, they they were always like they didn't have a particularly mobile quarterback. It, it, it was a you know they were teams that uh, the Huskies could have beat. It wasn't like a team that, you know, that had a had a guy that could scramble out. You know, it's like Kirk Cousins and uh, um, I can't remember who was after Kirk Cousins at uh, Michigan State, but it was like a Drew Stanton, you know, guys like that that were not like terrifying mobility wise, you know, and. Why couldn't they? You know, why couldn't they get like Minnesota on the schedule, Wisconsin? Uh, you know, they got Illinois, and that worked out. You know, they got two. They got two wins against a Power Five, Big Ten opponent. You know, like start scheduling Indiana, and you know, start scheduling, uh, you know, Iowa or something. But you know, now now we're in the same. Co- we're going to be in the same conference. So, I mean, I guess it. I mean, I guess it's going to work out fine, but yeah. I mean, they had a long well, run of uh, at a conference just never getting programs at the right time. Like Michigan, Michigan was worse than the Huskies for like twenty years, basically. Then they got Michigan like the one, like the first year Michigan was really, really good in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it happened in the bowl games and like. Yeah, you always wanted them to schedule, like, 
Tennessee or Florida too. Like, you know, our Michigan for a long time where it's like these these programs that are really impressive. They look great, but they're not really that good every year and you could beat them. But instead they always had like Ohio State and Oklahoma at the right time and uh, are nobody. They can never find that sweet spot of like getting getting good programs, but when they're not good. Like even when they got Nebraska – uh, two years, like, uh, home and home and away with Nebraska. Like, those are, like, two of Nebraska's better years in the past 20 years. Yeah, that Taylor Martinez to- totally crushed him, you know, twice. Having a, yeah, like a fucking, oh, fucking glorified <laughs> running back that throws sidearm like a, like a nine-year-old, you know. Joey. Killing him. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Well, the, the the way you're describing him is like this spastic guy that's way out of position or something. As soon as you say he that was. name, though, I immediately picture this guy just like running down the field with the Husky defense trailing in futile behind him. You know, it was like, yeah. Uh, is seared into my memory. So, um, well, we, you know, uh, t- I mean, talk about poor timing. You know, we we played Nebraska, a big time opponent, Husky Stadium, and uh, uh, now I'm blanking on the guy's name that had to start middle linebacker that day. Uh, oh, I know who you mean. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he played at uh, the pros. Damn it! No, he didn't. He played. No, he ended up transferring out. Got- like right at. He, he was a fresh no. Court Dennison was hurt. Oh, then, you're talking about the Huskies. Yeah, the Huskies. He had to he had to play a middle linebacker, and I think he was a. I want to say he was a true freshman, but now I can't. I can't remember his name. Damn it. Anyways, you got you guys can ramble on. I now I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Willie, what did you think of Tybo Rogers? That was pretty impressive. Seventy four yards on fifteen carries. I mean, he looks like the guy. Uh, the other guys are fine, but, like, you know, it's like sports. A lot of times you can just see a guy move, and you're like, that's especially running back. You're like, that guy is a running back, and I think that's the only one they got in the roster. Uh, I, I I, I, feel like they're going to – they're working him in, and I, I think they're going to start doing that. But hopefully by the end of the season, uh, he's their, you know, 17 – I mean, now – 15 carry game back. I hope. I really hope so. And by the way, he he. Every time he was running, they knew he was going to run. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it wasn't like third yeah. and eight draw play for 38 yards or something. It was they were cheating up and everything because they knew we were just trying to run the clock and. Yeah. Uh, he he. His move outside was really nice, and it's something that we need because our interior run blocking isn't all that special, but. Um, though you know they looked better yesterday than they did against Tulsa, that's for sure. So, yeah, no, yeah, I think uh, I the the thing is he doesn't need that many carries in this offense too. Yeah. I mean, I I yeah. do assume that they they have to factor in how good of a pass blocker he is or not too. Uh, so maybe that's why they're kind of easing him in. Uh, you know, I, I know that's kind of a that's kind of a doogie talking point, but you do. I mean, if you're in that offense, you, that really matters. And you can't make it obvious 
when they play better teams, you can't make it obvious that you're going to run, you know, when they're, if they're only bringing it into running plays. So, but no, he looks like, I mean, especially you think too, he's got three to four years ahead of him. That's, that's very, very, uh, very, very encouraging. Yeah. And you know what, what was really interesting, um, Yesterday was that the Huskies were really emphasizing the run at the beginning because Michigan State um, was really trying to defend against the pass. And then as soon as we were having some success and they started having – Michigan State had to start adjusting against the run, then we went full-on pass. We weren't, like, then still trying to – like every other offensive coordinator in America basically would try to still mix it up and get those runs in. There was one point where we must have thrown the ball eight, nine, ten times in a row. I wasn't counting, but – and it was like, okay, we're probably going to run here though, right? Nope, we throw again, you know, and it was like as soon as we got them in, in playing in the positions that we uh, wanted them, then we just kept throwing the ball, and it was like a very pragmatic way to approach the game, I thought. Yeah, and – We've talked about maybe people have posted the board. It's not revolutionary uh, thought, but what I'm hoping they have, they kind of have so far against you know not great teams of uh, what Oregon had in the in the chip years, where it was like teams would come out and sell out against the run against them and everything, and they would have some success, but then they'd pop a few big plays, and you'd just see the other team just be like, shit, we're we're not going to defend this, and I think we're going to. With those long bombs, you're going to start to see that where teams just, like, give up a little bit, I think. And, boy, we don't hesitate to try to stick the dagger. It's really fun to watch. No. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, so I I'm think – I'm just uh, trying to – go ahead. I think Tybo Rogers looks like the future. Um, that was – I, I checked out a little bit of the, you know, KJR post game show, and some some guy was, you know, just really praising Dylan Johnson and saying he was the answer and all this stuff. Oh, he looked and, better, and I was like, he looked he looked better, but he uh, it, it's a, there's a noticeable noticeable speed and oh, sure. agility uh, factor with Tybo Rogers. Um, I mean, Dylan Johnson is winning you know, Papa, You know, it, it, I mean, it, it's it's like you know we we love Westover, you know, because um, he's you know uh, it's like hey Jack, just go five yards and just get open, you know. But th- then you watch like Josh Cuevas, you know, and and there's just like a just you know there's noticeable differences, you know. Mm-hmm. And you watch a guy like him, and you're like, oh. And then, you know, Tybo comes in and, you know, it's the first uh, time we, we really see, I think he, I think he might've played in a, you know, a play or something last week or whatever, but, uh, you know, it's the first time where you see him really, really do some work and, and you're like, Oh, even a, even like a one yard gain with him, you know, I mean, it just looks noticeably better, but by the way, the, uh, the player I was thinking of was Garrett Gilliland. Garrett oh, okay. Gilliland making a making a start and then uh, and then transferring out right after that year. Well, 
And uh, Uno Foscio had a one-and-a-half tackles for loss, and then a ZTF had two sacks. And none of them were the type of, like, definitive bringing the hammer down type of thing, but they were, you know, he was there, made the plays. That's another thing you see with this team is is uh, there's just hardly any negative plays. Um, I mean, I, I the failure on on my part, I didn't really notice it till I didn't really start checking the box score till the Apple Cup of last year, when you know the greatest Pac-12 defense of all time failed to get one uh, tackle for loss against the Huskies. You know. Um, who is another right little shot at shot at the well. I'm I'm referring to defenses um, against the Huskies, right? So right. there's just and not I, a lot of. Since you're being facetious, but who were you talking about there? Coop? Oh, at the Apple Cup, yeah, the Apple Cup oh. last year. The uh, I, you know, I, I I mentioned the greatest tactical defense of all time. Right. So that's what but, I was getting you know. at, though. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> well, they had they had uh, no tackles, no sacks, and no tackles for loss in that game. And then yesterday was um, zero sacks and two tackles for loss. But those two tackles for loss were, you know, against. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were both in the fourth quarter, and one was on. Uh, one I think was Tybo and one was uh, Dick Newton. So if memory serves me correctly, but yeah, it, it was. It, it, it's just there's there's just not a lot of not a lot of negative plays against this team. Correct. So, you know, and then you know um, the Huskies had uh, let's see two sacks and seven tackles for loss. You know, against Mich- Michigan State. And that was against, you know, Michigan State that was going, like, fucking three and out, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I thought for sure Michigan State would score at least in the mid-20s. And, you know, basically, like, last year's 39-28 game, I thought it would be like that. Nope. So. No, this team is – Man, it's it's just too bad the conference wasn't just a little weaker. <laughs> oh, Joey, come on! You don't want to line up like eight or nine San Jose's in a row, and yes, I do. <laughs> Georgia does it. Doesn't get punished for it. Why not us? We we want some obstacles to have to overcome here, or at least I do. <laughs> um, well, looking ahead to looking ahead to Cal next week, uh, we've got uh, their quarterback Sam Jackson the fifth. He was uh, twelve for twenty three for one hundred and eight yards, uh, four point seven yards per attempt and a QBR of 24.9 against Idaho. He's a walk-on orphan playing on a prosthetic leg, right? But Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Now, in the past, we'd be, we, that would be the, you know, the, the uh, 
the omen that he would end up going 28 of 35 against us for 350 yards and four touchdowns or whatever. But uh, well, he's five five eleven, one ninety five, uh, and then he had nine carries for forty one yards, four point six average. So, a mm. uh, little mobility, but I'm not. I'm not even like I'm. You know, we we go go back to bucking trends. I'm not. I'm starting to not be as worried about mobile quarterbacks because because of how they've been defending them. Uh, so far this year. Um, yeah, well, here's the there's, deal. There's, there's nothing from their I – I mean, there's just nothing from Cal's offense that's, you know, no. particularly scary. So, But I will take a seven-point win and keep Penix healthy and move on, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the thing – the thing is, is like because of that damn 7.30 kickoff, for this Saturday, um, you know, that's, if you talk about national exposure and stuff, that's 10:30 on the East Coast. Nobody's watching. Nobody wants to watch Washington versus Cal, anyways. But um, no, no, they're so, almost you know they're almost like purposely not putting Washington on TV at this point. I mean they they gave them a 12:30 game. They gave them a 12:30 game on ABC, you know, but it was up against uh, Notre Dame was playing. At twelve thirty, Texas was playing at twelve thirty that day. Uh, yeah, I think Ohio State was playing at twelve thirty that day or noon or whatever. They were. I think Georgia I mean, they, was too, or Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not excited for Cal. I just feel like fucking Wilcox. Just he'll play fucking prevent. Uh, they'll be really aggressive. They'll be really aggressive in coverage of, like, being physical and our dear friends, the referees, will not ever throw any flags. And on offense, they'll just run the ball off tackle over and over and over again and then run, like, designed QB fucking scrambles. Like, I, I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be, like, kind of like last year, just, like, an unpleasant game. So, fuck that. Fuck him and fuck that program. I'm tired of playing him. Do you guys know... <laughs> Do you guys know? Just, I don't. Uh, I don't want to play them anymore. Two two Decembers ago, a year and a half ago, the three of us were on this podcast, and we were half convinced that uh, Jen, an overwhelmed Jen Cullen, would fall into the arms of Justin Wilcox, knowing nothing else of to do, and yeah. uh, and Wilcox was going to be our the next Husky coach. And then we were going to have to wait for four long years through all that. I think if you listen to this podcast and then with like, oh, yeah. before, Google them and make this easy hire. Well, I wanted Aranda number one, but and Campbell number two, yeah. but that's another story. But <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. sit here and claim to, uh, that I was on the DeBoer. I wasn't anti-DeBoer. I was just. Wait, I, I will say this because one of the very earliest things I said through all of that was, um, I think I even said this before Lake was fired. I said if we could fire Lake, and then uh, what was it? The um, that oh no, was it South Dakota or North Dakota? Oh my God, Derek, North Dakota well, State. The, you you wanted the, their coach and their and AD. their athletic director. And bring him in, yeah. just like Mike Lou, Don James. Uh, they didn't come in the same year. They were one year apart in the 70s. But 
but the same concept because they the coach had been so dominant and whatever he's doing there could certainly work at the next level. So from that right. standpoint, we got a South Dakota guy who's been successful everywhere he's gone, and that's so I kind of got half of what I was asking for, even though I didn't specifically say DeBoer, but. Um, yeah. But you know, I did want I did want Aranda number one. I well, you know, I wanted Aranda or I wanted Fickle, but it, we were never we were never within striking distance of him. We don't need to rehash all that. But they need to uh, they need to go into next week, and they need to just find out where Jackson Sermon is and just attack him the whole game. <laughs> Because we we know how we know how uh, where's Walt? We know how bad we know how you know uh, we know how bad of a of a player he is. You know, um, which is a good reminder. My gripe about how they're like blocking Corey Turpey from playing. Yeah, fucking Bo Nix and Jackson Sermon are still playing fucking college football. Fuck the NCAA and fuck both those losers for fucking wanting to play more college football. Oh yeah, J J T Daniels is on his fourth fucking school. Like fucking wow. they're blocking weird. Corey Dur- they're blocking Corey Durfee. What a joke! And I know Emmert's not there anymore as of a few months ago, but he was he was making close to three million a year, and for what? Got a high Blocking makeup Corey Durfee. Making sure college football gets more Bo Nix and Jackson Sermon. God, it's it's really it's really irritating just seeing uh, J T. Daniels' fucking face full of zits on you know <laughs> on highlight packages or whatever. The fourth fucking school, like they should just how. Uh, Go to the How CFL the NCAA already. can 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 uh, you know I posted that that thing about the North Carolina receiver like like they're taking it to like a court you know because it's so fucking stupid why they won't allow that guy to play he went to one school he uh, they canceled their whole season because of COVID so he didn't play and then he transferred to uh, right, right. I, th- I think it was it was like Kent State or something right. They canceled the whole season. So then he goes to, like, a FCS school, like North Carolina Central or A&T or whatever tech, and plays a year and then uh, transfers into North Carolina. So technically he's only has – he only had, like, one or two years of college football, and he's, he should be able to transfer and do it legally. But Yeah, no, Absolutely. Yeah, and they won't. The NCAA won't allow him to play. Bo Nix, all good. Break all the records with a fifth fucking bonus year, like a piece of shit. And then he can he's he can just play all 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 the time. Yeah, J T. Daniels, four schools, no problem. Go ahead, be our be our guest. By the way, he he enrolled at all four of these schools and was suited up at all four of these schools. I mean, he was USC, he went to Georgia, he suited up, he went through all the practices, lost the, he, he uh, lost the start, he didn't get the starting job, so he transfers out like a bitch to, um, 
West Virginia. Was it West Virginia or was it Pitt? I think it was West Virginia. It was, it was, yeah, it was goes, West Virginia. Yeah, it was West Virginia. So he uh, then he plays at West Virginia uh, a whole year last year and then transfers to Rice, and he's allowed to play? How is that possible? I don't know. Maybe he's got the incriminating photos on somebody. Who knows? Well, but I, but I, what I'm hearing is Corey Durfee's a massive cheater because, you know, he did it at lower schools. Fucking NCAA. Pisses me off. But, you know, they're the, the, fantastic the, here, the NCAA, State, NCAA is losing more and more and more relevant. So, I mean, it's like they don't even people, they don't even matter anymore. They're not going to have anything to do with the formation of any sort of super conferences or anything. That'll be simply amongst the conferences themselves. So, well, they're doing like worse punishments than they. They're doing worse and you know much dumber punishments than than ever before. I mean, the Arizona State thing is really stupid. Really stupid, Correct. you know. I mean, they, you know, why, USC, why can't they just why can't they just find Herm Edwards like five million dollars? Why can't they just find him? Throw him in prison. Why do they have to punish? <laughs> yeah, throw him in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Someone out there could race bad and get all that Photoshop. Um, USC played with an ineligible player in their season opener against San Jose, but that that disappeared from the news. They did? Yes. Oh, wow. They had, they had a player that transferred over. I don't remember the school. But he got uh, he got ejected from the last game he played for targeting. And so he was supposed to sit out the first. He was a defensive player, defensive back, I think. He was supposed to sit out the first half of USC's first game, but he played. And it was a headline for oh. about 24 hours, 48 hours, and then it just completely disappeared. Well, this is what I'm telling well, Arizona State. Arizona State should just, just say, uh, no, we're going to schedule a bowl game. Fuck you guys. What are you going to do? Punish us again? They wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Of, uh, speaking of stories that disappeared over the summer, next week I'm going to fire up my email and just, Bam! every media outlet in the country and be like, hey, Arizona's quarterback is an admitted rapist. Uh, why is this guy still playing college football? Yeah. Or why is it again? Or at least, <laughs> at least not being called out about it. Like, because uh, I'm sure he's going to annihilate the Huskies and throw it. He'll throw eight picks against, like, fucking Northern Arizona, but he'll be 24 of 26 against the Huskies for some reason. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Weird that that just – I was like, oh, well, he's done. Well, we don't have to worry about him because he's, like, exactly the kind of quarterback that kills the Huskies. But, no, not, apparently nothing, nothing's going to come of it. Only the Hardcore Husky podcast could, in the wake of a 41-7 to <laughs> crushing victory over Michigan State on the road, turn this into an airing of grievances. So. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, Jaden – Jaden Delora, you know, gets to play and have the media just not, not even bring up any of his story. And then that punter from San Diego State, his his whole life is like completely ruined. What was that guy? Oh yeah, God, 
Matt, Matt Ariza. Matt Ariza, or Matt Ariza, yeah. Yeah. His, his, he's got kind of a Duke lacrosse thing going on. And, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's another thing where, like, the media is like, oh, you know, we got it wrong. We should just not talk about it and move on. We'll, you know, we'll talk about uh, uh, Lamar Jackson's contract for two days straight and not bring up the fact that this guy's getting railroaded. Well, I guess uh, the Seahawks play in about 35 minutes, so we'll wrap up here in the next few minutes so I can edit this in time for kickoff. Um, but I want to uh, say one thing. You know, Ray Fannin had a, a quote on the board yesterday at Hardcore Husky uh, where he said, you know, he was uh, evoking the um, win one for the Gipper thing, and he said, as it turned out for Michigan State, win one for the Tugger wasn't on the table in regards to Mel Tucker. <laughs> And uh, so, were you guys so in light of that? Were you guys surprised though that there the I, w- I was expecting some at least in the first half a lot of emotion and and fight and, and it was going to be a battle and it was anything but. I think I think this team is. Uh, I think our I, I think the Huskies are are so good and so dialed in right now and and I don't think Michigan State's a good a very good football team. Because if if that was uh their you know, they you know, they kinda talked about the, the fans being into it. They got their you know, the student section got there early. I mean it didn't look like a it wasn't a full stadium for sure. But no at all. No. I mean if if they got kind of their their pumped up effort uh, that was pretty. Uh, that that looked like, you know, it just dawned on me. That looked like uh, uh, COVID year against Arizona. Mm. Remember when uh, Arizona could uh, Washington got up to like a like a thirty something point lead, maybe it was mm-hmm. thirty seven to nothing, and Arizona hadn't even gotten a first down to like uh, I don't know. Like, late third quarter or something. I mean, they looked – Arizona looked so bad that day, and Washington was playing walk-ons and all kinds of – all kinds of – I mean, that looked – that looked kind of eerily similar to that. I mean, Washington just looked like they knew every play Michigan State was – like they had a game plan. Uh, It it didn't matter what what they threw out there, you know. It, lo- it looked like it looked like uh, you know they were playing a team like Colorado last year, a team that had kind of mailed it in, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, it's an insight from uh, a local media member who's on the field last year, but it's, I think it was a good point of saying last year, <laughs> like in the warm-ups, Michigan State, like Washington with, like, tight, dialed in, Michigan State's, like, warm-ups were even, like, a mess. And you could kind of feel – it kind of seemed, like, clear that, you know, Michigan State was going to struggle. Uh, my guess is that that team was a mess, was a mess when he was there. Uh, yes. You know, if the guy's, in, the guy's in the middle of the night, like, you know, what actually the context of what he was doing with the tugging, 
I mean, it's, regardless, it's not a good sign for a football program if your coach who's married, I'm pretty sure, is in the middle of the night tugging it on the phone with a a uh, sexual harassment consultant. I mean, I, I assume the player, that team was just a disaster. So I assume they weren't like, hey, we love this guy. Let's go win it for him. They were probably like, fuck, like another uh, another fucked up thing's happening. Why did I go here? Shit, now what? we're playing this really good team. Fuck, let's just in this game. <laughs> Well, my theory was that the, then this uh, whatever the guy named Burnett, I didn't know anything about him, but you figure that in a situation like this, and they brought in D'Antonio, so obviously that's a sign that they didn't have faith in this guy that was being promoted. So then I thought, okay, it must be because he's really popular among the players, and so he's somebody that at least for half a game they would they would fight like hell for. That was my thought going in. So I thought we would get their yeah. their best effort, you know. And it and it was just so like Joey said, maybe we're just so good, maybe it deflated maybe it was there and it just I mean, you know, every time you drop Pedix drops back and you're you're you know, the defense is like the odds are about thirty percent, forty percent he's gonna have a forty yard pass, you know. I mean it's unbelievable. Yeah. What what was the average per play they had by the end of the game? Oh, I, with, I, I, uh, I turned off the stats a few minutes ago, but um, well, even with the uh, even with the um, you know just straight up running the ball, um, yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. I mean, they averaged five point four yards per carry. You know, and that's in a fourth yard. quarter where all the eighteen yards per reception. That's not per yeah, play, I, but per reception. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, even with a fourth quarter where all they're doing is running the ball, you know. Um, yeah, there was we had no secret what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty bad, and uh, and that was without getting uh, screwed by the refs. I mean, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like we still, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of good points. Like, you know, some teams in the past might have, you know, might have wilted and barely scraped out a victory against that team because the refs are jobbing us, but doesn't seem to be the case, you know, for. It doesn't seem to be the case for this team. So it looks like Jaden Rashad is out for about a month and a half. Uh, well, I, Arizona State quarterback. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I should have said that. Yep. And it says here they've got two well, other quarterbacks that are hurt also. Well, there's so many. There's mind. so many Jalen's. There's so many Jalen's and Jadens nowadays. I I, I can't keep up. <laughs> Where the hell are the well, guys? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, guys, uh, the uh, the uh, game's at twenty eight minutes, so I'm going to get to editing here. So, any any final thoughts in the last minute or so? No. Any anybody else you want to complain about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pre-complaining about what you just said. And that ASU got beat, like, what, zero? 
against Fresno State. They're, quarter, they're going to have no quarterback, and somehow they're going to come into Husky Stadium in a month and just be <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a, a, a fifth-year uh, senior walk-on orphan with playing on a prosthetic leg. <laughs> and he'll be 24 of 29. An orphan? <laughs> you have to throw the orphan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ESPN needs its uh, storyline, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, we'll, we'll talk again uh, uh, next week. Yeah. All right. Thank you hey, for ciao. listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, sh- which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but...